Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning to you all. Hey, it's great to have you. If you're here uh, in person or online, welcome to Vine. I'm John Adams, one of the pastors And uh, just want to welcome you to our church as we come together. uh, And we are in a series called Becoming Confident in Christ. And it's a series out of the book of Philippians. And we're studying through this as our pastors teach through this great book. And so we're excited for you to join us today. And last week, you you may remember that we looked at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And I want to remind you that we that Tim taught us that God, a great God, is working in us his salvation as we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so it's so good that we have that great God and we want to humbly respond in obedience and faith to him today. So one application of last week's passage of Working out our salvation as he works in us is today's passage. And we're going to be talking about this great topic that none of us struggle with. It's called complaining. And so, you know, uh, last night uh, I went over to uh, a local grocery store because I got a list from my wife, Lizanne, and I like to grocery shop. It's okay. And, and uh, headed over to the store And the name of the store is not Publix. (laughs) And as I went into the store, uh, you know, I had some preconceived ideas, but I go in and and I I, I was in fruits and vegetable area and as we start out, and uh, the lettuce was completely wilted. Looked bad. None of it would do for my wife's table. I just shouldn't come home with that. And then uh, I had to get some broccoli. And there was hardly any there. Why don't they stock those shelves? And then, and then I'm searching for jalapeno peppers. And so I'm looking. I'm, I'm literally, I walk back and forth about three or four times looking for those silly jalapeno peppers. And finally, in a little corner, I found them, and it was unmarked, and I found those jalapeno peppers, and what came to mind was this. Why don't they put a sign there that says jalapeno peppers? No sign. And so I found myself uh, that I had complained not once, twice, but three times in my mind, and I was not even out of the fruit and vegetable section. I was just beginning my journey. And so I grab my card and I go around. And I, I don't think I complained the rest of my shopping. I had to grab a lot of items. Uh, I took my wife's list. And of course, I get hungry, so I grab a bunch of other stuff. And so I got up to, but I got up to checkout. You know what checkout is like, right? And uh, so anyway, checkout is, it was, um, you know, it's about, 8.30 at night, and uh, all the self-serve aisles are, are, are filled, but I'm not going there anyway because I've got about 50 items in my basket, my buggy, okay? And, and so I, 
I look, at, I look up and down, there's about 20 registers or aisles, and only one of them with a, is open. It's aisle 11. And at aisle 11, I come up to it, and I'm, I go, okay, please, I'll be a short line. There's three people with full baskets, I mean, loaded up. And I, and I go, and I do something that um, I do often because I try to maximize my time. I, to save my place in line, I pushed my buggy behind the third full, full buggy, and I go running off to get my last two items because I want to save my line. I want to get back in time, and I did it. I got back. There I am. Okay, there's still two people in line, and they finally get to the guy in front of me, and this guy starts unloading his buggy, all his groceries. He's so slow. I mean, go a little faster. I was about ready to get up there and help him and help him get his stuff off. But finally, he gets it all off and, you know, gets it all together. And then, and then at the end, he, he uh, you know, the, the important courtesy thing is he forgets to take, you know, those little dividers that you grab and then you put between your groceries and the others. He doesn't put one there. I go like, why, why didn't he do that? And then, so, so I come to the bright spot of my, of my shopping wonderful experience and it, her name is Izzy, a little redhead, not like our Izzy here. We grew up, there's, if you grew up, in the, been at the Vine, there's a wonderful Izzy here, but there's an Izzy there and, and she was fast. Checking me out, she's the, she was like, just, I mean, as quick as they come, and like, this is good, because I like speed, and she gets it all done, and I'm thinking, this is great, this girl is great, but then I had a, a bad thought. I thought, she's going to get promoted. I'm not going to see her next week when I come. In fact, she'll probably be the store manager by next week. This girl, and so I think about all of these things and all of these complaints that I was going through in my own mind, and I think, should I tell Lizanne? And I remember, I gotta get home to bed because I'm preaching early in the morning on complaining. <laughs> and so, so I don't tell her I come home, I go to bed, and I realize, what did I just do? You see, I didn't complain to anyone out loud, but this was all in my head. And complaining or grumbling or murmuring, whatever you call it, it, like it can happen in each of our lives whether we're sharing it with others or not. And today, what it does is it robs us of the life God wants to give us and the joy and the peace and the way that he wants us to really live well, so we're going to look at our passage today. It's an application of working out your salvation in fear and trembling as God works in you. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And if you wouldn't mind, will you stand with me as we honor God and read his word together? Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain." 
Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This is God's gracious, holy word. It is the word of life and the word of truth. May we apply it to our lives and live it out by faith in Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to ask this question. Is it possible to do all things without grumbling or complaining? And you have your pastor's good example. Verse number 14 tells us this. Philippians 2. Do all things, do all things, underline that in your Bibles, without grumbling and disputing. It actually says that in the original. And this seems really impossible, right? Because Paul is not saying here that you have to reach this certain level of Christianity like sinless perfectionism and never complain. I think he's saying this. As you rely on God's saving and ongoing work, you will, can face any circumstance, especially hard ones, and not complain. You know, we see throughout Scripture that, that people, even God's people, Sometimes especially God's people struggled with complaining. Uh, we see that back in the Garden of Eden. What did they complain about there? God, we want, just, we want to eat that tree. Why don't you give us that tree and that fruit to eat? Later on in the Old Testament, we see when the children of Israel are wandering, coming out of Egypt in the desert. What do they complain about? We don't have food. We've got too much food. We don't have water. We don't have enough water. You know, we, we don't like these living conditions. We don't like our leaders. On and on and on and on. And it was really, I mean, one thing after another, right? And so we see in the Old Testament that God even brought diseases, plagues, enemies, and even death to those who complained. Kids, that will make you think a second time about complaining about what you're having for lunch today. No, we know that in, in our day, God is patient and he is kind and he doesn't overlook our complaining because it reveals what's going on in our hearts. The church at Philippi were warm and caring and generous, and yet they were still struggling with complaining. Uh, you may even even seems to be have good reasons to complain in your life. You may have kind of the hardest situation in this room, maybe even in our city. Maybe anyone around you, you're, you're dealing with really hard things, and I don't want to minimize that. And yet, this passage says that we can, with God's strength, with His help, with relying on Him and His grace, complain less. And trust him and praise more. And thank him more. And live in a different kind of way. And so uh, think about Paul, the apostle, what he was going through. Did he have something to complain about, church? Yes. And where was he at this current situation when he was writing this letter? He's in prison. In prison in Rome for about two, two and a half years. And, he, and it says in verses 17 and 18, he says, Even if I am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, 
I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. When he talks about being poured out as a drink offering, remember most offerings were like lambs or bulls, and they took a while to burn, right? It was like something substantial. When you have a drink offering in the Old Testament, and they did have some of those, it's poured out in about five seconds, right? And it's done, sacrifice done. We paid all that money for that? We are sacrificing that fast? And here Paul is saying, sometimes life seems like that fast, like five seconds. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering, he uses this one other time in, in his last letter of his 13 in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. And he's clearly there saying, I'm getting ready to die. So here he's probably saying, I may die, I'm in prison, and yet I will rejoice. How did he do that? Well, we see in last week's sermon from Tim, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, how God works in us his grace. And he urged the Philippians here in verse 18 to also with him to rejoice and be glad. Verse 18 says that, not because their circumstances would get better, or if we apply it to ourselves, our circumstances would get better, but because of Jesus' saving work would fill them, comfort them, empower them to live a life that advances his kingdom and not their kingdom, his glory and not their glory. He says it is possible to not complain. In fact, to to actually rejoice. And we see that here in in verse number 14, he continues to teach that, that we are to live as blameless, innocent children of God without blemish. Look at 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know, it would be easy to, to, to interpret verse 14, 15 this way. Just stop complaining. Don't be so transparent about your sin. You know, just work a little bit harder and you will become blameless. A child of God because you work so hard. But we know that is not the gospel, right? Do you agree, church? Yes. Or as Tim preached last week, maybe some of you are passive and disobedient to what God has called you to, and you're going to say this, this phrase and think this. Well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway, so why should I care? Or why should I live differently? Look, do you realize if you are a Christ follower today what Jesus has done for you? He not only took your sin for you, he has given you his blamelessness. He has made, given you a whole new identity as a child of God. Verse uh, 9 of chapter 3, a little later in Philippians, Paul writes this, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. 
Look at, it's not your righteousness you need. It's not your works. It's not being a, cleaning up your act, being a better Christian, whatever you, you call it. Do you have an asking God for more faith to trust in his work, to work in you so you can work out your salvation and complain less, for example? Verse 15 also means this is important. You know, God does something where it's permanent. It's your position. You have a new identity if you're in Christ. But you have to continually trust that new identity to grow in him. That's part of the work is believing Jesus and his work. That we, as we rely on Jesus and on his ongoing work, we will complain less as our actions and attitudes become more centered on him. And as you increasingly align your life with his word and in himself, it will make a stark difference to the world. People will notice. It will be obvious. Verse 15 says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst, notice this, of a crooked and twisted generation. Now, would you all agree the world around us is becoming, I mean, harder, darker, spiritually, less God-centered? Would you agree? Yeah, I would too. I, it, it's pretty obvious, and it's sad, especially I think about our students and our children. I mean, for me, for, if you're a little bit older, you know, how long do we really have? <laughs> but listen, for our kids... I mean, we're living in a world that's really hard. But notice here also, Paul's writing this all the way back in those days, 2,000 years ago, about the generation the Philippian church was going through, that it was in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know, uh, <clears throat> there's an early church father, his name was Augustine, he lived in the three to 400 A.D., and he wrote some great books, City of God, um, and uh, was just an amazing kind of pastor of pastors, but he didn't start that way. He was really, really kind of what, um, he was really pretty much a nasty pagan. He would sleep around with all sorts of women, and in those days, that wasn't to be made, made public, and he would make it public. And, and he himself talked about, his, you know, about some of his lying and his scandals that he went through. He was what my, I would call my, talk to my grandkids about, Remy and Price. I would tell them, that guy is a scallywag. <laughs> and Augustine was a scallywag. He was not a good guy, you know, in that, in the, even especially in that day. Was looked at his life as twisted and crooked. But you know... Uh, you know what convicted him of his sin? It wasn't his, his affairs with women. It wasn't of his lies and his cheating. It was one day he saw a couple pears in a neighbor's pear tree, and he went without asking, and he stole, he, as he says in his confessions, that's a great book to read, his autobiography. He talks about he stole these couple pears and he said it brought him to deep conviction of sin because he realized how 
why would he do this? He had the money to buy them from this guy or to at least ask the guy for it, but he stole them. And he realized the depth of his twisted and crooked heart. That sin was kind of, he describes it later as he became a pastor and he became a Christian at that point in his life. He talked about that, described sin as the self bent or twisted inward. The self curved inward on itself. And you know what? All of us struggle with that. We all struggle with the self turned inward. Even though we are in a growing hard culture in America and we want to see, pray that God does new things and brings, raises up a new generation of faith. We all struggle with ourself, each in our lives, with sin that is our self turned inward. And we have to continually ask God, help us to remember that we are held blameless before God. We are his children to remind ourselves of our identity. And one of the words blameless means to be held faultless. You know, when you complain, when I complained at that store, it didn't really help me get prepared for the sermon. It made my heart, it made my heart kind of a little bit angry and frustrated. And you know, when we fall into our sin, sin, and we are not trusting in Christ and living in our new identity that he has established for us, we can so easily fall into this twisted and crookedness of sin. But we see in verses 15 and 16 the solution. How do we be continue to, to grow in working out our salvation as he works in us? His grace and mercy. We hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to the word of life. Verse 15 says, Among whom... You shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You see, it's because God is working in you. This causes you to shine as lights in an unbelieving world. Remember, without Jesus, we have nothing to offer. But with him, we can continually, as we trust him with our hearts, we can reflect his truth and life, and people will see there is a difference. We will see less complaining. We will see people repent and see their lives lived out differently in a, in a hard world. We shine as lights as we hold fast to the word of life. This word, this word of life refers to a couple things. It refers, first of all, to God's word, the Bible. And we see that scripture called the book or word of life in Revelation twenty-two nineteen. And then Jesus is called the word of life in John 6, 68 and 1 John 1, 1. And Jesus cannot be separated from his word. You know, uh, we are hold fast to the word of life, which is both Jesus and his word, the Bible. You know, people ask me, I, how do I get hold and know Jesus more? Well, you get to know the word of life more as you hold on to his word, as you get to know him through the Bible. And that's why we teach and preach 
and that why we train you all, and we've been looking like the last few years at a simple Bible method, encouraging you all to use this method called comma, which is a Bible method to, that stands an acronym for context, observation, meaning, motive, and application. And if you need help with applying that and getting into a regular study, talk to me after the service at the pastor's corner or one of our elders. Elders, could you raise your hand if you're in, in the house? Look around. You can see one of our elders. And, um, or if you've come with a member, they can help you with the comma as well. And so we want to continually grow in how do we apply God's word. But remember, it's not just logging in and dutifully coming through your spiritual disciplines. It's about God working in you. So are you trusting? Are you trusting him and inviting him to work in you so that you can work out your salvation? You might say, well, John, you and the elders and pastors, you may hold on to Jesus and his word or know how to do that, but I'm not so sure. I'm not as kind of, I'm new in this thing. Or I'm, maybe you're here today or you're online and you're not yet a Christ follower. So you say, how do I begin what you call around here, that journey to flourish in God and his work? Well, we can all grow in confidence in Jesus because even when we sin and we all struggle with sins at times, he, the word of life, holds on to us. Isn't that good? The word of life is holding on to you and me. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of me. You know, even when we think we lose grasp of Jesus, he has hold of us. He will never leave you go. That's why we sang earlier, he will hold you fast. He will hold you fast. We feel like we lose our grip, and we do, because at times we struggle with sin. But as you come in simple faith and trust in Christ as your Lord and God, our God holds his children fast and will never let them go. Praise be to his name, right? Thank you, God, that you hold us fast. So... We saw last week, and again, in Tim's sermon in Philippians, as we were thinking about that, God works in us as we work out our salvation. And um, this verse uh, about where we come to verse 15, where it says, holding fast for the word of life so that in the day of Christ, verse 16, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. How many people, how many people are, see Christianity as vain or fake? Verse 16 says that in the day of Christ, when Jesus returns, we know from earlier in chapter 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. As you align your life with God and his word, you will know in that day when we are face to face with him that your life 
glorified God and was full of purpose. You will know you were following Him. You were about His kingdom, His glory, even amidst all of the struggles that we face. So we've asked you throughout this sermon series in Philippians, I'm going to ask you again, is, is your confidence in anything other than Jesus? It's because, as we've seen from this, this incredible passage, it is God working in you that you can work out your salvation. So as you know, we think about coming to the Lord's table In a real sense, none of us are worthy. We all struggle with complaining. Look, I'm, I'm getting ready to preach. And I'm struggling with it. And I'm so thankful that even this morning early, as I was thinking about this message, that I could come to my Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. And God... Don't count this against my record. And God, make me blameless. Let me live in the blamelessness of the way that you see me. Let me live differently now. And by the way, when I go to this store, it's not called Publix. (laughs) I'm going to be praying as I go to act and think and live differently. How do you need to grow in your life in this area of saying, God, let me trust you with all my life and all, especially my words and my thoughts that I would not complain. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at the Vine CC. Have a great week.